All right. Well, we're seven o'clock. People are jumping in here. So welcome to After Party. Yeah. Part two. No, season one, episode two. Welcome to After Party, everyone. I'm Bobby and this is Jeremy. We're really looking forward to having a conversation, moving our Sunday conversation into just a conversation. So I have some things I want to talk about. You have some things you want to talk about. <laughs> Let's start with uh, how we're doing. Let's do it. Yeah. Actually, I will stay with this. Uh, okay. It's my wife's birthday today. She, I'm not going to say how old she is, but it is her birthday. And I went home. She baked a cake for herself today for our family. <laughs> so, honey, if you're online right now, I don't know if you are right yet in the chat room, but happy birthday. Uh, if anyone wants to send messages to Rachel, oh, yeah. let her know happy birthday. That would <laughs> happy be Happy birthday, Rachel. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, yeah, it's great. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm doing fine. Fine. I have a specific question. I wondered if we yeah. could name something joyful, hmm. uh, just a moment of joy this week. I know it's only Tuesday, but. Um, okay. So let me see here <laughs> if I can open it up. I think I have oh. a picture of it. Oh, nice. Uh, I'll hold it up here. Oh yeah. So first of all, this it. is what my son and I built today, uh, this week. Can you see this? We built some, oh, oh yeah. Is it going to focus? It's, uh, it's, we built some Iron Man arms for <laughs> them today. So look at this. Oh, that's awesome. That was it. We got some cardboard together and we built a little costume <laughs> yeah. and he was pretty excited about that. Oh my gosh. So that was, that was a lot of fun that was actually. Your moment of joy. Yeah, that was Monday. My, my moment of joy today was very little. It was very little, but I typically, our kitchen table is facing the wall because our condo is so small. And so I like work at home facing the wall and I have some pretty pictures. It's fine. But I turned it today so that I would face the window and like my mood lifted totally three points of five or something. Like I just thought, Oh, that's what I needed. It was just a subtle You could have been shift. looking out the window all this just time. All of this time. <laughs> I mean, we have to kind of walk around our table now, but it was yeah. a, genuine moment of small joy. Nice. I like it. Oh, there it is. Anyone in the chat here had a, a good moment this week you want to share oh. with us? We'll read them out on the air. <laughs> oh, <laughs> someone was working out with their partner. So that's sweet. Nice. <laughs> and lots of happy birthdays to Rachel. So that's excellent. So sweet. Okay. Well, even though I'm not with her tonight on her birthday, <laughs> I will tell her that lots of people gave her a happy birthday. So mm. maybe that'll be worth something. Yeah. I think it's worth something. Yeah. <laughs> how do I? I'm trying to figure out how I mute my. There we go. We're doing it together, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're learning this. We're learning this as we go. It's only our second week. All right. <laughs> let's jump into some okay. conversation. That's great. So we were in Jonah chapter three on Sunday. I preached that text. Uh, three, one to eight A, I think our outlines. Right, yeah. I took it very literally. I stopped right at eight A. So nice. you left me some material for next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, just a little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if we want to recap the story a little bit, the word of God comes to Jonah a second time. He like, quote, obeys, we could wonder about mm -hmm. does he or doesn't he which is i think we want to come back to because i we, think that's one of the really interesting get, parts okay sorry <laughs> <laughs> how many times am i gonna have to do this <laughs> many, <laughs> let me get to the story so then he walks one day of three into nineveh mm -hmm. preaches a five-word sermon uh 
every person and animal, great or small, mm -hmm. responds, which we're also going to talk about. I said the message explodes with meaning for right. everyone uh, in the story. The king and nobility make a proclamation, be covered in sackcloth. That's the story. Yeah. So we want to talk a little bit more about second chances, the sort of starting again at the same place for Nona the, for Jonah, the word of God coming to him. We want to talk about that short sermon and wherever else we go. With yeah, it. totally. Sounds fun. Okay. So second chances, the word of God coming to Jonah a second time. What do you got? Um, I think this is a really interesting part of the story because the, the way that it's constructed, and you, you see it in the English, but the way mm -hmm. it's constructed in the Hebrew is you literally get the first line of the first chapter over again, right. halfway through the story. Right. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, we read in 1-1, one, one, right. a second time we read in 1-3, or 3-1, sorry. And these types of things are, are very intentional. Yeah. Um, it's constructed in a way as a callback to let you know the story is starting all over again. Right. Um, and, and then, you know, we have to make sense of that. What does that mean? But I think that's really interesting that the writer is calling us back to the idea that there are moments in life yeah. where things begin all over again. Right. And, we, you know, we could find a thousand parallels to each of our lives about where we messed up a relationship and then we got a chance to start again mm -hmm. or we lost a job and, you know, a new opportunity came along and we got right. to start over again. And I think just just that as a single realization mm -hmm. that in this story, there's a beginning and then there's a re-beginning, I right. think is a really neat part right. of the story. I like thinking about the effect that moment would have on people who were hearing the story for the first time. Right. Like I like thinking about, for some reason in my imagination, I see this crowd and they're outside and someone's telling them this story. And then they hear that Jonah is back on dry land and the word comes again. And I like thinking about a crowd being like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh it's happening again. Yeah. Like, I don't know why my imagination just keeps going to this scene in my mind. Yeah. Or you imagine, you imagine um, like, somebody telling a story and it begins once upon a time and then halfway yeah. through the story you hear once upon a time all over again <laughs> and you're like what are we doing you know we're right. starting again like these, right. these are big cues right. that the audience is picking up on right which was my harry potter reference uh, yeah, there you go. For anybody who loves yeah totally harry totally potter, which was like every time you think why is he back mm -hmm. on privet drive number four privet drive but you you come to expect it and then you're you're with like the new harry mm -hmm. after all of the things he's gone through which i think it, we're doing with this story, right? We're right. like, oh, this isn't the same Jonah, or is it? This is Jonah who's yes. been at us thrown into the sea in the belly of a big fish, whale, whatever yeah. we want to call it. Like, is this the same Jonah, or isn't it? But this is, I think, the interesting part of the story. I don't know if I'm getting ahead of you here, but um, that we expect Jonah to be a new Jonah. Right. I mean, he just gave this beautiful prayer in chapter right. two, and then we've and then we get the same crappy Jonah yeah. from the start of the story again. Right. Like, like the writer gives him this chance to start over again. What What makes you think it's the same crappy Jonah at this point in the story? Yeah. So, okay. So there's a couple things. We're going to see Jonah later in the story. Exactly. Like he really hasn't um, been able to make sense of the grace of God. He really does not want this. But um, I think a couple things. I think, maybe again, we're jumping ahead, but I think his message, his sermon that he gives... I think part of the humor of the story is that this is supposed to be the worst possible performance by a prophet in a leading role ever. Like this right. is not an Oscar. This is like the Razzies. This is like right. 
the worst job he could possibly do, yeah. this is what he does. He's like, okay, if I'm going to be forced to go to Nineveh, if, I'm, if you're going to go through the trouble of getting me into a whale and spinning yeah. me on the beach, fine, I'll do it. But I'm going to give my worst mm-hmm. effort possible. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, part of me as a father, like I think of this with Eaton, yeah. where, you know, um, you know, I'm like, you got to clean your room and, uh, you know, and then he just like does the worst, right. like, you know, poutiest, like right. mopiest job right. he can do to clean his room. Yeah, but he there's does like it. toys under the comforter yeah. on the bed yeah. and like stuff sticking like, up he in the He does it because I told him he has to. Right. But he, he hates having to do it. He wants nothing to do with it. Right. And he does, he's, he's grumpy, he's awful. Right. And, he, and he does the minimum that he can. And that's right. what it kind of feels like to me with Jonah here. So right. He is doing the absolute bare minimum to get God off his back yeah. with this sermon. Because the only thing he says is yeah. 40 days and Nina will be overturned. Like, right. like that's, it. that's it. That's all he's got for them. There's nothing about the love of God. There's yeah. nothing about a second chance that he's just lived yeah. through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of his experience nothing. comes out in the sermon. No. Um, like this is an incredible divine being who can open the belly of a big whale and mm-hmm. throw me inside of it for three days. Like nothing. We have no sort of sense of like splendor. Or, yeah. None of that. Yeah. None of even from Jonah's perspective, there's none of change your ways. Yeah. There's none of right. like repent. Right. Like it's just it's just 40 days. Yeah. And you're done for. Right. And that's what I think Jonah thinks the, the sermon is. And we'll I, talk about that in a bit. But yeah. I think Jonah thinks he's telling them. 40 days and you're done. And right. this is like his hope. This is what he hopes God is going to do. Right. For him. One of the things I didn't say on Sunday, but I was really interested in, I didn't find a way to put it in, is the link between Jonah's name and Noah's name. Oh, interesting. And yeah, that, that one commentator had said that essentially Jonah's name is like Noah's name kind of inside out. And like what he expects is a flood. Like he's kind of expecting hmm. that kind of doom and flood i didn't trace the language yeah that, but you I know what commentator that was it was um feasting the word uh, okay feasting on the word the yeah. uh, lectionary comment huh, i've never yeah. heard that it was one little line and i okay. was like oh i didn't find it anywhere else and i wanted to explore it some more but but that hmm. moment feels like r- just the kind of resonance of the narrative on the narrative like that jonah could be some version of a noah in that moment just yeah. being like overturn like the rains are coming you're all going to die i mean it's certainly a water story yes exactly and hebrew stories um water is really important right so water represents like primal forces of chaos yeah sometimes they represent evil but evil is not quite the right word it's not it's not like um, that word gets used a lot in hebrew in lots of different ways yeah exactly so you get the raw raw is the evil you get that associated with water but it doesn't mean the same thing as english but what it means is this sort of raw primal force of nature chaos really right and so water gets associated with tiamat who is one of the babylonian gods like this sort of evil creator god in babylon Mm -hmm. and you see this all through the psalms this imagery of water being um Everything goes crazy right. when water it's like comes around. Quite prolific in the ancient world. Totally. Yeah. And so you have the Noah story with the flood. Yeah. You you have Jonah like in the water yeah. in swallowed by the whale. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. I haven't yeah. come across that. So it was one little note. Ah, cool. Yeah, I like it. Uh well, so second chances. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, it just it honestly makes me think about this moment that we're in as well. This right. like um this moment of how do we think communally. Uh, in the face of a pandemic, like we're we're being asked, mm-hmm. like are we are we doing what we're being asked of? Or are we doing the bare minimum? You know that kind of thing too of like 
don't go out. Yeah. I mean, uh, be right. really careful. Wash your hands a lot. Like, I'm done with washing my hands. Like, kind of doing the, the like, and all these little ways that we have this opportunity to like live into something mm -hmm. bigger or kind of do the bare minimum of a thing. So um, I think I mean, for there's me, lots yeah. un unknown. But, yeah. One of the things yeah. I think about when you talk about the sort of the second chance related to this moment yeah. is um, we're still in the midst of the moment. Yeah. Right? It's really hard. So, to we're, you know, if we're going to relate this to the Jonah story, we're mm. still in the belly of the whale. Right. We're still doing the prayer. Yeah, it's interesting. To we're still relying on our liturgies to keep us grounded and to give us peace as mm. we go through this. The question is, we are going to get spit up on the beach at some mm -hmm. point. And then what are we going to do right. with our second chance? Right. Are we, you know, when we come out of this, are we going to say, okay, the most important thing to me is to rebuild my investment portfolio or my right, savings. Cause right. we've all taken a hit on that and that's right. very real. Yeah. And that brings a lot of fear and I'm not downplaying that at yeah. all. But is our second chance gonna be, I gotta work to rebuild what I had before. Me. Yeah, okay. or is it gonna be, okay, now I've got a new second chance. Now I'm going to ensure that my connection with my neighbors yeah. stays as careful, like right. careful right. as possible yeah. post this crisis. Um, am I going to try to, I mean, enjoy a little time away from my son and my wife when we're all out of this, but am I going to try to continue to invest in that mm -hmm. um, and not go back to the status quo of how things were? Right. Like, like, what am I going to do with that second right. chance? Because I think that's also part of the story is, is Jonah's given the opportunity. He wants the opportunity. Right. He prays for the opportunity. My salvation comes from the Lord. Right. And then he gets it. It's like, man, yeah. you know what? I don't really care that much. Totally. And it that, just seems so human. Like that so, yeah, seems like because that, that feels like a story I can relate to. Totally. Is desperately wanting another chance and yeah. then getting it and being like, actually, I'm gonna you know do things I'm the good. old way. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. I like the old way. Yeah. Well, someone I heard some language today on a podcast about social contract and mm -hmm. like we're definitely going to reorder the social contract, but mm -hmm. what will we do with it? Do we want it to go back to the old way or do we want to? Yeah like engage in a reimagining of what it means to be a society and mm. to look out for one another and to, to be well together. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. You want to talk about the sermon a bit? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Five words. Um, well, do you want to just take it away? What do you want to say? Uh, so the, so question about like, uh, I, I read, I wouldn't say equal parts, but some people really, as I did mm. some reading, wanted to believe that Jonah's words were God's words, right. that he was really some kind of hero. And I kept thinking when I was reading that, like, don't you know the end of the story? Right. Like, he isn't the hero that you want him to be, is sort of the, the conversation I felt like I was having mm -hmm. with certain commentators. Um, so yeah, is are the are how much of jo how many of jo or how much of Jonah's words are like inspired and um, the message that God genuinely intended right. for this group of people in this city, or are they just far away and you know I don't know. So my my take about, on this, yeah. um, and there's a number of, of commentators that would read it similarly, is the the especially the the wording in the Hebrew here yeah. is written in such a way that it's both of those at the same yeah. time right now. It's Jonah's attempt to do a crappy sermon that no one's gonna pay attention to. Right. That's what he's hoping for. Yeah. Um, and yet it's also the word of the Lord that speaks to something deep inside of them. And, and you get that, and you brought that out in the sermon. Right, although I, I did say that that phrase is missing. Yeah. 
This is true. Right. He doesn't repeat. He that. doesn't repeat yeah. the phrase. It's earlier in the chapter yes. where the word comes to Jonah, but right. Jonah doesn't say this is the word of yeah, the Lord. And point. I found that to be really interesting. But I loved how you I brought still, out like the ambiguity of the exactly. overthrown. Right. So the the language in Hebrew is forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Right. And I think my take would be that Jonah thinks that means forty days, and God's going to destroy you. Yeah. Because he's trying to give the kind of sermon that no one right. will respond to. Yeah. Because he's hoping that in 40 yeah. days, These Nineveh is going to be raised to the ground. Yeah. Or water is going to exactly. pour on them. So, but the beauty of the story here, and I, and I don't know how you translate this in English. Um, I, I chose, um, by, by the way, um, just cards on the table here. I, I took five years of Hebrew uh, in my 700 level Final seminary are you graduate bragging? course. What are you doing? Right I translated now? the book of Jonah. Shut so up. My, <laughs> that was my like final project in Hebrew. So I know Jonah inside and out. Not like like my level of Hebrew comprehension of Jonah is not at all indicative of right, how good I am at Hebrew, Hebrew. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I only know it because it's literally the one book that oh, I translated gosh. all the way through. And my Hebrew is very basic. <laughs> so, so whenever I'm giving like insight on the Hebrew and Jonah, that's not at all caveat here, not at all indicative of my actual skill in Hebrew. <laughs> okay. It's the only book I've done this way. Okay, but, thank you for that. Um, but I think what I would say in English, a better would be, 40 days and Nineveh will be turned upside down. Yeah. Because that gives you the ambiguity of, um, is it going to be a bad turned upside right. down? Or is it going to be a good turned upside yeah. down? Yeah. Because um, the wickedness of Nineveh becoming the righteousness of Nineveh yeah. is a turning upside down. Right. And the brokenness of Nineveh becoming the healing and the repair of Nineveh right. is a turning upside down. Right. And I think this is the reality with all of our lives is at some point we reach some critical moment yeah. where our life gets turned upside right. down. And I tried to do that with my outline when good mm. news is bad news, you know, just that, like I want uh, that movement of like, it's good news. It's bad news. It's good right. news. It's bad. like the same thing. Like, is it good news or does it feel more like it's bad news? Yeah. When the truth kind of like interacts with your life and you're like, this is a, an invitation to life for me, but it feels so hard. Mm -hmm. So it, like, it feels like bad news, which I think is what you're doing. You're like flipping it. So, you yeah. know, back to your question about is Jonah's sermon, is that indicative of, of God's word right. or is that Jonah's word? Right. I think that's the piece is the word of God here is the, is the, you're going to be turned upside down. Jonah wants that to mean right. turned upside down for, for bad. Yeah. God wants that to mean turned upside down for good. And who wins? The, who wins <laughs> is whoever Nineveh, Nineveh. chooses. Yeah. Right? right. So, and I think this is the reality in a lot of the decisions that we make right. is um, God is always hoping that every second chance, every overturning in our life will, will lead to good. Right. But sometimes we don't choose that. Right. Like there's an always, there always is an option. Um, and, I, and I'm not saying it's easy because it's, sometimes it's very hard, oh, but there's yeah. always an option to choose love. Yeah. There's always an option to choose grace. There's right. always an option to choose peace. Um, whether we do that or not mm -hmm. is a very different question. Right. And whether we do that or not ultimately determines whether God's overturning in our life is for our good or not. Mm -hmm. and, and so we, we play some role in that. Right. And back to your question about sermon, which we were trying to get back to, is this whole idea of a sermon is not about purely what I had in mind when I yeah. wrote these words right. or what Bobby was thinking about when she delivered them. Right. 
there's this interaction that happens between study and crafting of language and communication of language and then this reception that people have in the audience yeah. and without getting too technical like i if people have read stanley fish you know is there a text in this class he wrote that book but it's it's the whole flip from an author centered to a reader centered hermeneutic mm -hmm. and stanley fish he's not a christian but he's a he's a theorist in terms of uh, linguistics and communication but his argument is it doesn't matter what the author has in mind in okay. anything they write, like whether it's a textbook or a poetry mm -hmm. or scripture, mm -hmm. the only thing that determines meaning is how it's received by an audience and a community mm -hmm. that determines what those words mean on the other side. Right. And that's a really fascinating thing because we're seeing it here in Jonah, right. where Jonah thinks it means something different than the Ninevites do and God thinks it means something completely different right. again. And how much of that happens when you get up and you have your words and you share them with people and then they come back to you and they're like, this is what it meant. Right. And you're like, no, that's not what it meant. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> you, you really went for it there. <laughs> but I was just thinking about, um, I, I used this Matthew Barber song a little bit. Mm -hmm. And as I was working with that opening and then kind of call back to it later, I thought about, um, is this what Matthew Barber meant when he right. wrote those lyrics? And I was like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. It's what it means to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so I did the very thing. Yeah, yeah. That like, maybe he meant it this way, but uh, it's what it's meant for me for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I. So has that happened to you in a sermon before? Which. Like you thought you were saying oh, one thing. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. I mean, it is a wild, it is a wild thing. Yeah. When, I mean, it's happened for good and for bad. Sometimes people are like, have have had right. a problem with something I've said yeah. and it's come back to me and I thought, no, I didn't say that's mm -hmm. not what I said. And that's definitely not what I meant. Um, but then more often it's it's something quite generous and lovely that people are saying this is what i heard and this is how it connects to me and i think well those aren't the words i use right. but that's beautiful <laughs> so i think there's a couple of things i think yeah. whenever so our team if, if people aren't aware of this we write quite collaboratively so our team uh, writes full manuscripts for sermons and then we share them and we give feedback to each other and and we all sort of work together and, and try to get the best out of ourselves and out of each other, which right. I, I think is a really yeah. um, beautiful process. It's it's difficult. Yeah. You know, like the first few times when you hand yeah. your notes. Right. It's to like people, you're a little baby. For some reason, like, here, it's, it. um, it's much more comfortable to get up and say your piece than it is to let people see it before you say it. I don't mm -hmm. know why that is for me. Huh. So maybe it's just because I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But but I always find it, it's very easy for me to get up and talk. Yeah. Um, it's harder for me to, to let people see my process in that. Right. But whatever. Yeah. It's um, so, but all that to say, I think we try to be quite careful with our language to make sure that people aren't going to misread what we're saying. Yes. And that's a really important piece to yeah. me. I, I always want to make sure that I'm precise with my language. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully that comes across. I think people recognize that, that I'm, yeah. I'm quite careful with it. <laughs> What I do think is interesting, though, is the ways that people apply those ideas to their lives mm -hmm. in ways I never would have thought of right. um, in applications that I never would have come up with. And this is something that I'm always trying to do in a sermon is the sort of catchphrase that I use for myself is I want to avoid the arrogance of application. And it's just an easy way for me to remember. But. I'm always trying to make sure that I never tell people 
what the scriptures mean for them. Right. So almost to a fault, I will mm. say, perhaps this, have you thought of this? Right. Think about maybe. it this way. Maybe, yeah. you know, you could do a drinking game with how many times I say, you know, maybe <laughs> this in a sermon. Guys, but because I'm, <laughs> don't do that. Um, but I, I mean, you're all at home <laughs> these days. So do with, you <laughs> Obviously, grape juice. But, but what I'm trying to do with that is I'm, I'm trying to spur people's imagination yeah. to think about what's going on in the scripture, right. not trying. I, I think what happens sometimes is we actually close down people's imagination yeah. by telling them, here's what it means now in Calgary in 2020. Yeah. And, and that's what I want to stay away from because I don't know what this text means yeah. to a 14 year old a girl who's sitting in the audience mm -hmm. or to, you know, someone in their sixties who is recently widowed yeah. or someone who's lost their job. Like, like I can't be in all those shoes. Exactly. And when I try to, it doesn't come off as real. Like it, right. it comes off as forced hmm. when I can pull maybe this, or have you ever felt this way? Or here's a way that I interact with right. this. Then what I can do is I can pull emotions out of people yeah. without trying to create them for them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I find right. really beautiful is because then I will have people come up to me after a sermon and they'll say, I loved when you tied this moment in Jonah to this thing that I'm going through in my life. And what I recognize, I never said anything like that, Yeah, but I, I helped to create a bit of a context where people were able to imaginatively make those connections. Right. And I think that's the real art of preaching is not making it so narrow that you tell people what it means, yeah. but you also do work for people yeah. to help get their creative juices going right. so that they can figure out what it means for them. Yeah. I remember being in a different context when the way of communicating from the front was a very, and a literal like fill in the blank yeah, yeah. receiving of a message. So everybody opened their bulletin. They had like sentences with mm -hmm. blanks and that was their engagement. And, and I'm not trying to like crap on that. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not. But for me, I remember thinking, I, I want to trust people in a different way yeah. when they're sitting in front of me. I'm going to trust that they can reflect on their own lives and that I can open an idea broad enough so that there are all these entry points for them into the idea. Yeah. Uh, so it's a delight to be able to teach that way here. And, well. and how else, how else do you take a story like Jonah yeah. that's existed for thousands of years yes. and make it meaningful for people today, unless yeah. to realize that there is no, you, there is no single way to read yes. this thing. Yeah. This is a story about what it means to be human. This is a right. story about what it means to run from God. This is a story about what it means to be given a second chance yeah. and to toss it away. Yeah. Um, that applies as equally in the ancient Hebrew world as it did in the time of Jesus, right. as it does today. Yeah. Larger human themes. Exactly. Um, larger quests for the divine. Yeah. So we can ask questions ways. about yeah. like, hey, what's what's this writer trying to communicate and, yeah. and what's the cultural context and what are the cues right. that the writer's leveraging, right? Because yeah. we're all doing that. Like we yeah. all have a, a cultural language game that we play with when we want to communicate. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's some of the beauty of what you and I get to do for a living. Yeah is we get a lot of time to read and research and, mm -hmm. and then be able to, to pull these things to the surface for right, people. Right. But then to leave the space to be creative for people to think, yeah. people imagine, yeah. people say, what does it mean for me? That, totally. I mean, that's the real beauty of it. Totally.
Um, so I I want to keep talking about homiletics, yeah, okay. the art of preaching. And I mean, it's an interesting moment to be able to ask, like, what is preaching for in this moment yeah. when we're not like gathering in the same room? And mm -hmm. I mean, I preached a sermon to an empty room, which yeah. had me thinking all kinds of things about this art form, mm -hmm. this like ancient tradition of proclamation, uh, of good news, uh, creative ways that we step into the story and like exegete it and yeah. move through it for people. But um, I want to talk about, yeah, kind of those bigger pictures and we can continue to like find connecting points with Jonah for sure. sure. Uh, but what is preaching to you, Jer? <laughs> what is preaching? What is preaching? <laughs> pretty open-ended oh, I mean, question. Totally. Speaking of, speaking of open-ended questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, th there's different ways to approach things, but I have always tried to approach the idea of preaching as, um, as an art form and, yeah. and, and as a performance. So I don't, I don't pretend that who I am on the stage is who I am in a conversation like this. Mm -hmm. It's not, I'm performing something. I've prepared something. Yeah. I've worked really hard at it. I've done my research and now I want to give a performance that's going to invite people right. into that moment with I me. understand that, but it's not, not you. No, it's, it's not. You. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Like, I, I mean, I think anytime. So if we can back up sure. in terms of like uh, teaching about preaching with people, yeah. I always tell people, um, first you have to imitate someone yeah. and you have to get really good at imitating someone you admire. And then slowly what happens is you stop imitating them and you start realize what they're doing, realizing mm -hmm. what they're doing. Right. And then you start incorporating what they're doing into your voice and then it becomes your voice and then you move on mm -hmm. and then you have to find the next great person to imitate. Right. And then you, you, you learn how to mimic what they're doing. It slowly becomes a skill and you incorporate it. So yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, but to become a good preacher, you have to find your own voice in it for sure. But there's also different types of language and communication that I use when I'm speaking with my son, yeah. when I'm speaking with, uh, you know, people that I work with here yeah. at the church or when I'm preaching and those are all different types of performances right. because I'm trying to elicit um, a different type of experience and response from, from right. different people. Um, you know what? One of our cameras just went dead. Ah, which so one are we it's on? It's all right. I'm going to switch the battery. So you oh, okay. talk over there. I'm going to splash them. Um, it, it, that just makes me think of, uh, Jared, did you ever read The Phantom Tollbooth? No. It's a child's story. Maybe some of you know it. Uh, and there's this character in the Phantom Tollbooth. I actually think about this image as a metaphor for the divine as well. But it's called, he, I think the character is called the Dodecahedron. And he has like many uh, different sides to his face. And depending on the conversation, like a different facial expression will like move into the scene. And I love that idea of like, so I think it reflects who we are as human beings, but I also, a friend of mine introduced me to the uh, idea of like God being like the dodecahedron, like okay. this, the divine that can be to you, this, this kind of love or meet you in this kind of distance or mm. uh, scare you in one yeah. moment or, you know, all of those. Different I mean, hey, we talked about that last yeah, week, which totally. is this really sort of beautiful idea. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so anyways, I was just saying, 
it's not not you, but I, I understand yes. what you're saying. So I was just saying that it's like right. this sort of, it's part of you, mm -hmm. but it's this part of you. It's not like- Here's my shout out to everyone who's a Transformers fan. The oh, Quintessons yeah. are like some of the bad guys in Transformers the movie, okay. the cartoon from 1986. Oh. And they also do the same thing. Oh, do they really? Season. Yeah. Oh, nice. By the oh, way, I super plug. It's an amazing movie. The <laughs> greatest 80s rock soundtrack you've ever heard. <laughs> who's Check on it? it? Who's on it? I, they're, they're like nobody's, but it's, oh, fine. Or, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's good stuff. Okay. Everybody just left the chat. Yeah, there you go. They're they're go like, watch that. <laughs> looking exactly. at that. Uh, you um, know what? We're going to have to refocus this camera as well. Okay. So apologies. Okay. There we go. Not okay. Bad. Perfect. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So back to this idea. And I apologize yeah. for that, everyone. Um, but I think preaching is about this, this idea of um, creating a moment for people. And that's what I'm getting at with this idea of performance. That right. You are not just there to communicate words or ideas. Yeah. Um, we're there to create some type of an experience for people. Right. Because this is the reality when it comes to the divine is we don't experience God just intellectually. Right. Now, I think some churches to swing too far the other way and yes. it becomes now we just experience the divine through our emotions. Yeah. Um, but but you can go the other way as well. You know, and this is what we talk about at Commons when we talk about being intellectually honest and spiritually passionate right. is the attempt to find that balance somewhere in the middle yeah. where we are both um, intellectually engaged, but mm -hmm. also our emotions are coming to the surface. And mm -hmm. that's where I mean the performance comes in because I don't just have ideas that I read that I want you to know. Mm -hmm. I want you to experience yeah. something of what yeah. this story is right now right. for you. I think about like moving the story like through me, mm -hmm. like through like doing doing the work so that it like interacts deeply in me and through me. And then hmm. there's um, so, some sort of like artistic rendering of the thing as well. Uh, are we good? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Uh, so how, how, what do we want to talk about? Is there anything else that's like preaching? Uh, so I sort of joked about it earlier, but yeah. I, th I think stand-up comedy. comedy is like one of the closest things. Yeah. Um, I think when you can get people to laugh, I think they become more open. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the reason I tell some funny stories sometimes is not just, you know, because it's it's nice when people laugh at your jokes. It's because um, when you can get people to open up, when you can get them to laugh, yeah. then they're willing to hear things in different ways. Yeah. Um. So I think that's part of it. And I think I think some stand-up comedians, some again, some stand-up comedians are just they're crass and they make you laugh because it's awkward, and that's about it. But there are those comedians who can kind of like cut through. They can get you opened yeah. up and laughing, and then they can nail you with something. Yeah. It's that um, truth. That truth telling. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the nice thing about sermon um, delivery that's different from standup is you don't have a cold audience. So yeah. you're not coming with an audience who's like, okay, I dare you to make me laugh or right. I dare you to say something profound. Like, like right. people generally when they come to church are hoping to encounter the divine. Right. Not always. Right. Some people come with a chip on their shoulder and that's okay too. I mean, yeah. I think, I think God meets us in all of those moments, but generally you, you tend to have an audience that sort of, Hey, like I'm leaning in. I want right. to, I want to hear something. Maybe not even from you, but but I want to hear something from someone mm -hmm. um, in this moment right now. And I think that's a really beautiful thing, that mm -hmm. sort of anticipation. Um, but yeah, I mean, where else do we go and listen to yeah. public speaking anymore? Like right. that used to be a thing. Right. 
I mean, yeah, like being in a room, it makes me think of like TED Talks a little bit right. in terms of uh, like, what are what are we doing now that's sort of similar? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people in the room uh, yeah. in a TED Talk, you have 10 minutes to wow people or something. I mean, I do think that's idea. that's part of the appeal of TED Talks is yeah. this sort of gap in our common yeah. lives where we, we go and we listen to a person communicate yeah. and talk to us. Right. I mean, uh, this is a throwback to our Roman series, but I, when you, one of the interesting things there is when you listen to Paul, um, when he's speaking, he is, I don't know what the language would be here, but he's competing at a very high level for people's attention. Hmm. The idea of rhetoric yeah, in rhetoric. the Greek culture was such a prized value. Right. The ability to command an audience, the ability to engage people with your speaking, yeah. regardless of whether you brought them over to your side, but just to entertain. Because, I mean, you don't have movies. That's, that's essentially your entertainment. Yeah. Um, so when Paul is speaking in his letters, sometimes I really don't like our English translations because they feel so stiff. You don't, Cher. Yeah. <laughs> but they feel so stiff when, yeah. I think when you read Paul in Greek, like some flow. there's better yeah. flow, there's more humor again, yeah. you know, there's more satire, there's yes, more biting, irony. you know, yeah. like Paul can be quite biting sometimes. Yeah. Right. And I think all of that allows him to be much more engaging mm-hmm. to his audience because again, you can't, you can't in the Greco-Roman world write just boring prose and send it out and expect anybody right. to listen to you. Yeah, it would just be... Like the standard is just too high. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Paul's letters were circulated, like obviously, you know, of course there's there's the spirit of God and of course there's the message of Jesus that's embedded in that. And of course that's part of why they found traction. Mm-hmm. But part of it was also the skill with which Paul was able to mm-hmm. communicate this. So he's not a Jonah. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, Paul is Paul does much better than Jonah, I think. Right. Sometimes we read Paul and feel like he's a Jonah. <laughs> I oh, mean, I, you have great love for, for Paul. Yeah, I, I, I do now. Other people have a, a, like sort of yeah. different history and sort of like different ways that the words of Paul have been used against yeah. them in their lives. So it feels more like, you know, Paul telling me my life will be yeah. overturned. Absolutely. And I yeah. think... You know, I, we t- we've talked about this every year when we come back to Romans, but I've, I've had, I totally get that. Um, and I've made my peace with Paul. Um, yeah. And, but I, but I found my ways to understand what Paul's doing. And it wasn't, it wasn't, um, what it really was, was doing the hard work and the research of yeah. putting Paul in his moment, in his context, yes. that actually opened up Paul to me in new ways. Right. Um, when I, when I understood Paul in terms of uh, giving critiques of the Roman Empire. Yeah. Uh, when I understood Paul, maybe not being culturally where I want him to be, but being a step ahead of everyone else and trying right. to trying to drag this culture along with right. him into more equality and more right. inclusiveness, like one step at a time. Then you're like, oh, like this is a guy that I can I can get behind in right. new ways. So, so Paul's more like the narrator. That's an interesting parallel. Right? Yeah. Uh, like that's what we kind of have argued again and again yeah. in this series is that it's a reimagining mm. of Israel's history and and it's like pulling people into um a, a more generous ethic mm. uh of of God's work in the world towards like even your hated. So enemies. this is one of the fascinating things about um, Jewish literature in, in the Old Testament uh, in particular is you have Jonah, which is all about how much God loves the Assyrians. Yeah. The next book is Nahum, which is yeah. all about how much God hates the Assyrians. Yeah, I know. I, 
It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just the fact that the Hebrew people were able to do that and yeah. not, um, like they, they felt the tension. Voice instead of yeah, the, exactly. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying they didn't feel the tension. What I'm saying is they didn't feel the need to ex- like excise that tension yes, or exactly. censor it. Yeah. Better word. Yeah. Um, that they said, no, this is important right. yeah. that we do have a voice that tells us, um, that God is against evil that's done in the world. Mm-hmm. And if the Assyrians are doing things that are evil, God is upset with that. We right. need that story. Right. But we also need the story that tells us that God is for our enemies. Yeah. And if we go one way too far to the other, right. if we go to the Jonah story that tells us, oh, God loves our enemies, so, so we shouldn't stand up against injustice, yeah. we shouldn't do anything, well, we're going to have errors on that side. Right. And if we only have the story that tells us God hates our enemies and hates bad people, right. we're never going to reach out with the compassion and grace that changes people. And yeah, th- th- something about this part of the conversation is making me think of the importance of reading these texts in community. Absolutely. That if I'm left on my own with my Bible, I'm going to find my way through it in a way that like, I think this about myself anyways, mm-hmm. that just like justifies my life the way that I kind of want it to be. But if I read it in community with multiple voices, I'm reminded mm. like, oh, I can't ignore the hmm. the passages that are like calling me into a way that is for life of myself and for others rather than. So I'll add to that, yeah. that we need to read the scriptures in community uh, with each other. Yeah. We need to read the scriptures in community with the history of the church. And this is what Christians don't do well, is in community with the history of of the Hebrew scriptures and the ways that Jewish people have read these stories. Right, right, right. Like, there is is a lot of Christian reinterpretation of Old Testament stories that can be quite beautiful. Mm -hmm. But if it's not held in tension with what these stories meant to the people who wrote them, I I think we're not getting the fullness out of it. Like, when people talk about... um, uh, like Christology or, or typology where it's, you know, you see Christ in the old Testament. Right. That's beautiful. I'm a Christian. And so I choose to see those things. I choose to read the old Testament mm-hmm. in a way that leads to Christ. But that is not what the Hebrew scriptures were written right. about um, for those people. And so we have to be able to say, Hey, this is how I choose to read it because of my faith mm-hmm. and my experience of Christ. And this is how looking back on Hebrew history, right. I make sense of it. But also there are a whole group of people still in the world that these are their scriptures and they have different meaning for them. Yeah. And when I can pair those things together, um, then I I get a full, a fuller richness of it. So then, so there's that. And then the last one I'd say is reading the scriptures in community with each other. So Jonah. Can I just say that? Well, <laughs> what are you with saying? each other, other scriptures. I mean. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, okay. so reading Not, with, okay. with each other around us, yes, reading yes. with the history of church, but yes, also reading in the canon. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and this is, you know, Brever Childs, you know, this was his big thing on canonical criticism that really the most important, I mean, we're going to get technical here, but yeah. um, Brever Childs was a scholar who came along and he said, the most important thing is not source criticism who wrote these documents. It's not redaction criticism. Who are the editors who put these all together? Right. It's canonical criticism mm. to say, what is the community that chose to say that Jonah and Nahum both needed to be here? Right. Because they speak to each other and they add something to the right. other one. Yeah. Um, and that that's, uh, he, in his perspective, that's the most important way to read scripture. Right. Is seeing how different stories contrast and right. compare and, and balance each yeah. other out. Well, yeah, we're, we're kind of back at that idea uh, Wait, I lost my idea. Sorry. 
When I lose my idea, I just keep talking. Yeah, I know. My back. brain's like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to bring it back. That's fine. Um, what else do you want to chat about? Um, I want to talk uh, maybe one last thing here um, before we wrap up. Yeah. And then maybe we can we can see what's in the chat. Sure. Um, I think the other part of this story is, you know, right at the end of your passage is, again, the humorousness of this story. Oh, right. So you have Jonah preach this, you know, you called it a C plus. I, I would not even grade him that. Oh, high. Yeah. I think it's a terrible sermon. <laughs> I think that's the point. But you get this overwhelming response in Nineveh. Mm -hmm. So the king repents, the people repent, right. the animals repent, you mm -hmm. know, um, like this is not a, that's not a Hebrew idea that animals need to repent. That's mm -hmm. it's not an ancient idea. It's yeah. a joke. Right. Um, and then the king orders um, everyone to wear sackcloth, including the animals. And sackcloth yeah. is essentially like a goat hair right. thing that you put on and it makes you uncomfortable and it reminds you of your own mortality and your right. sin. But literally in Nineveh, they have goats running around wearing goat hair bags. Like th this is meant to be hyperbolic hilariousness. Right. And, you know, I, I threw out um, the sort of um, idea that some scholars have that uh, maybe Jonah was meant to be a play originally, and then it got written down. Right. One of the reasons that scholars have made that argument is because of these types of images. And you can imagine like people acting this out mm. and, you know, the people playing sheep and stuff yeah. and now having to wear, you know, another goat hair or something. Right. And like, I don't know how you do that. Maybe you have one of the actors climb on the other sheep's back and pretend right. a sheep's wearing a sheep. And, right. but I mean, like it, it's just a hilarious moment in right. the story. And again, it contrast, it's absurd. And it contrasts the sort of poutiness of Jonah. And this is right. again, part of the reason I think that Jonah's sermon is not to, meant to be taken seriously is because the response is so overwhelming mm -hmm. that it, it brings light to how terrible a job Jonah did. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the, right. the, the, the contrast, contrast that's yeah. being made there. Is telling you a story. Yeah. Exactly. So to me, the fact that they respond so enthusiastically mm -hmm. means I mean, that I would read Jonah word. preaching yeah. it very unenthusiastically. Right, right, Sorry. right. I just was thinking about the response. I mean, I took it towards sadness, like that sackcloth is this metaphor, you know, that we could use yeah, it as this metaphor true. for, you know, the, the king like gets up off the throne, takes off his robes, puts on sackcloth, like sits down that there's this sort of like, he has to look at himself hmm. uh, and like face the truth about himself. So it's interesting to think about adding like a, another layer of like deep humor, which I don't disagree with. But. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, sackcloth is a sign of mourning. Yeah. Sitting in ashes is a sign of mourning. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, th I still argue the story is played for laughs. Yeah. But that doesn't mean there's not a layer underneath there. Right. Where the imagery and the steps that they take right. are the steps that you it's would take kind of to repent. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, so there, is a, there is a deep truth in that. Yeah. Um, that when you repent, you have this sort of sadness over where you've been. Yeah. Um, and this turning away and this moving toward. Right. That's what sackcloth and ashes represent. So I think the moment is played for laughs. Yeah. But all the right steps are still there. Right. And I think that's important too. Yeah, that's interesting. That um, even in the joke, the joke is not making fun of repentance. Right. That's still very real. Right. The king repents, the people yeah. repent. That that part is a very necessary part of the story. Right. I think it's the um, it's the contrast between their 
what's meant to be a heartfelt response, but mm-hmm. over the top mm-hmm. in contrast to Jonah's not very heartfelt, right. um, unenthusiastic sermon. Yeah. That's the laugh. But I think you're right that um, you wouldn't want to then read the story as if the repentance is false because yeah. then it undermines the whole story. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's true because if, you, if yeah. you take it that far, I think you actually undo an important part of the yeah. story. Yeah, it was just that I sort of tripped on that word mm-hmm. enthusiastic because I thought, oh, like I just picture them in this moment yes, yes. being like, we screwed up. Yeah. Like we have to look at this. Mm-hmm. Everybody take a look at this, including the animals. Like yes. we have been very far from our best selves. Yeah I, yeah. I really like that. And I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think that kind of interplay between yeah, I like that their as well. very real, genuine yeah. repentance, because that's a key part of the story. And now God we're, does back, save them. we're back at comedy, like right? that, that kind yes. of comedy that really moves us. It's like, I, I had a laugh and my guard was down mm-hmm. and then I had to face this real, I talked about Michael Chase and, and being like, that makes me so sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so can you, yeah. can you laugh? Right. At all of this repentance, and then can and you then still say, say "I want to"? Oh, but actually, repentance is a really important thing, yeah. and I'm seeing it here, yeah. and it's turning the story around. Yeah. And what does that mean for me? Right. Like all of that, and I They're love that. That all of that can be built up together at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Hmm? Um, I was curious. Did you preach sermons uh, during the flood here? Were you preaching? Sermons? I did. I did. I was just thinking about hmm. that moment. I wasn't in Calgary. Yeah. Uh, what kind of sermons, like, do you remember preaching in that weird time? Because we're in a weird time. You know, I would have to go back and yeah. look at some of my notes because right. I don't remember that, which is, it's interesting that I don't. Yeah. I vividly remember that moment in Calgary. Yes. I very deeply remember the response in our community at the time. Yeah. Um, I remember being up to my weight, pulling garbage out and doing right. what we could um, to help people out. And and uh, the at the time, that was before Commons, um, but a lot of the people that were part of my community at the time, it became Commons Church. Right. And the response from those people was beautiful. It was, it was a really profound drawing together hmm. of the whole city right. that I experienced in right. a really meaningful way. And, and you know, in some ways, maybe I'm thankful for that. I don't even remember what I was preaching. That's really interesting. You know, like, <laughs> I remember what I was doing. Right. I remember how I felt right. about community. I remember all those. I have right. no idea what I was doing professionally. At the time. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, I know we kept right. sermons going and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I was just thinking about sermons and moments like yeah. this one and sermons and moments like that one. Yeah. And I was curious hmm. to know. Yeah, I, you know, I definitely think there are moments to sort of break rhythm and break habit and step out of your plans and do right. something new. Um, I'm also struck regularly about the ability for, and I, I don't mean it in a spooky way, like, you know, like God <laughs> orchestrating things, but just in a, right. in the ways that, especially when you're doing narratives like this, yeah. um, that they're, you know, right now with COVID-19, there's there's a particular virus and a particular set of rules that are being put in place. Yeah. But those aren't the things that are the most important. The things that are most important is, well, how do human beings respond to these types of situations? Right. How do human beings respond to the kind of um, stricture of being, you know, confined? Right. Like Jonah in a whale or yeah. like Jonah told to go to a certain place. Like, right. And so when you're able to um, stay within a rhythm and a pattern, 
but give yourself the freedom to think imaginatively right. about the scriptures, yeah. um, then you end up with like all of this freedom to really right. make these connections right. in, I think, really profound ways. So I'm not saying yeah. that there would never be a time we would break from our established you know, um, no, but there seems to be plenty of flexibility in yeah. the narrative to, and in the scriptures, I'd say mm -hmm. to, um, like bend with us as we're bending yeah. and move with us as we move. Like I was, I wrote the sermon for Sunday and I was like, Whoa, this, this passage continues to yeah. like offer me so much, uh, in the moment that I'm in. I think that's an interesting thing that we're doing is being really careful with the text, but also allowing it to be really malleable with us. Right. Like I, there's there's an interesting, I don't know, I'm thinking about textures a little bit. It's really yeah. solid, but it's also really malleable. Um, and yeah. and also, you know, there's another, there's that. And then there's the reality of being able to say, hey, listen, like we're going to take a couple minutes. We're going to address this. We're going to talk about this thing. And then we're going to go back to our rhythm yeah. um, that grounds us and it keeps us yeah. safe. Right. And it's not that we don't address world issues. We do that all the time at Commons. Yeah. We take the first five minutes or the last five minutes to address something that's going on, but doing that in concert yeah. with a plan and a rhythm that's right. already established right. that goes back thousands of years to the Christian calendar, there's an ability to speak to the moment, yeah. but then also say, and this moment is, yeah. is part of this larger story. Right. And this larger story is we, where we find our safety and our peace. Yeah. I like that word grounding. And that I find really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I did the video already you know, as a response for Sunday that'll go up, I think on Thursday on the YouTube channel, mm -hmm. where I talked about that. I, I recognize this week how grounding Lent has been. Mm -hmm. Everything's up in the world. Nothing, nothing is going the same way it does. All of my rhythms are changed, mm -hmm. but I'm still doing Lent. Yeah. And I'm still on my way toward resurrection. Yeah. Um, and for thousands of years, right. in all kinds of countries, in all kinds of moments, in all kinds of uh, points in yeah. history, people have found themselves in that rhythm. Yeah. And now even now, when I can't go out and I, and I can't have my community and all yeah. these types of things, right. I still get to be part of that same rhythm. And I, yeah. I, I don't know, I just took a lot of peace in that this week. Right. So. Yeah, that, yeah, we are a part of a larger cloud of yeah. witnesses and it will go on long after yeah. we are gone, which is a bit more morbid. But <laughs> I, I kept thinking about that, that this, true. this season has been here for a couple thousand years. It will, it will carry on. Mm -hmm. like, all the things it's like we're we're at an hour here okay you want to any closing thoughts uh i don't have closing thoughts per se mm -hmm. um what are we looking forward to for next week let's uh we're in the next part of the story i mean let's not get ahead of ourselves but yeah. a little teaser maybe <laughs> what happens at the end of chapter three <laughs> yeah so so actually um without giving too much away in the story, um, we are going to finish. I mean, you can read it. Yeah, you can read it. So. <laughs> we're going to finish chapter three on Sunday. And then we're actually going to carry chapter four into Palm Sunday, uh, which was the plan all along. Uh, and so Palm Sunday is going to be online, but we're going to continue the final chapter. Um, and I think we're going to bring up some really neat parallels there between yeah. the end of Jonah and the story of Palm Sunday the and Jesus' vine, entry into Jerusalem. The palm. Exactly. So... <laughs> And then, um, and then on, on Good Friday, you know, sort of our hook is going to be this, this moment where Jesus tells uh, the people that the only sign they're going to get is the sign of Jonah. And, right. and he uses this story of Jonah to say that he's going to be in the belly of the whale right. or in the tomb for three days. Yeah. And so this Jonah story is, is going to take us through Lent, but also yeah. through Palm Sunday, um, this Good sort Friday. of to partner with God mm -hmm. that we see at the end of Jonah 
And we, we kind of see in Palm Sunday mm -hmm. where the people don't want a peaceful Jesus. They right. want a revolutionary Jesus. Yeah. And then Jesus pulling back the story again and saying, actually, the only sign is that sometimes mm -hmm. for three days, things are dark. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to follow that story all the way through right. to Good Friday. It's like we thought about it. I know. I know. It, uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> and then on Resurrection Sunday, we're going to we're right. going to join together um, online. Uh, we are, you know, it looks like very likely we're going to be online for yeah. Easter Sunday. But we're gonna we're gonna make the best of that, and we're yeah. gonna we're gonna trust that resurrection will meet us wherever we are, as mm -hmm. it always does every yeah. year, yeah. Um, even in these circumstances totally. here. So there's the there's the there next is. few weeks coming up there. Yeah, well that's great. There's the after party. Yeah. All right. Good. Thanks, everyone. Um, you are welcome to stay in the chats here. And uh, as soon as we wrap this up, Bobby and I will jump in there. We'll yeah. um, say hi. We'll answer a few questions. And as always, um, send us. Um, thoughts, insights, suggestions, and we'll make adjustments as we go over the next uh, couple weeks here. Yeah. Because we're still kind of figuring out this this right. whole system here. Totally. It's new for us now, but um, yeah, hopefully it's, it's fun. been fun. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>